Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Knife Journal podcast. My name is Jim Noka and I'm with my 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 world traveling partner Kyle Versteeg and yep. uh, who just got back from his trip to the Philippines to go help the people the, that uh, were in a bad the, way after the yeah after typhoon the uh, Lo- Yolanda. It goes by oh. a different international name, but the people locally oh. there call it Yolanda. They go by different names. Yeah, there's it's it's a weird thing. The um, like uh, the inter- internationally it's known by like one name, mm-hmm. and locally they call it Yolanda. So like the local papers over there would be like uh, Typhoon Yolanda, known internationally as whatever it's like Hyun or some stupid name. I like Yolanda better. Yolanda. Yeah. <laughs> she had an evil streak, I imagine, like 60 miles wide. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what it was. And immediately when I heard Yolanda, I thought of La Fonda from Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was quite a deal. It was... Uh, you want to hear about it, or should we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring, oh, okay. bring it on. Because so it, like, it, 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 uh, um, it says a lot about... The kind of work that you do, yeah, to, to just take off like that and and uh, and go do. Uh, well, I think your your mission started out trying to do one thing and ended up doing something else. If I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, it's um. So I'm with Team Rubicon, and Team Rubicon for all you vets out there is a uh, veterans organization, and the guys that started it, um, Jacob Wood and um, another guy, they met actually in Haiti. You know, and it's it's weird that that Haiti connection because you were there at the same yep. time I was there, and they were there, and none of us like knew the other people were there, but right. now like everybody knows everybody that was there, right. you know, in country. So they they met there, and then they formed um, veteran service organization, and basically it's the idea is that they they take veterans and vets have like amazing skills, like. You know, they are used to working on teams and all these sorts of things, and they have discipline that you don't necessarily see in, um, you know, you're just general walking around Walmart shopping population. Right. Um, and I have a story about that from last night. But anyway, <laughs> big mistake. Big mistake. So they, t- they take these veterans, and uh, they put them to work doing um, service work. And, uh, you know, the, the idea was to make an international kind of medical response team. Well, this was the first um, effort along those lines because they've been busy with domestic stuff. Like, uh, you know, they were in, the last one I went with them was uh, Moore. So the Moore tornado, they were there for Sandy. And pretty much every event um, that requires, like, FEMA, uh, Team Rubicon will be there. Like the tornadoes in Illinois, all that stuff. Um, Rubicon's actually on the ground helping and doing stuff way before other people are there. Mm-hmm. So I noticed, and that was the same way in Haiti with uh, with the big response. It was interesting because a lot of the people that have been doing mission um, uh, missions in mission missions mission uh, missions in Haiti were there prior to any other organization. The yeah. you know all the 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 church missions that uh, had been routinely going to Haiti, which there are quite a few of them, 
yeah. uh, were there almost immediately because they had everything was their infrastructure was already in place to bring stuff to the, those areas. Yeah, and I think set up already. Yeah, they were the first. Uh, they were the first people to land in uh, um, at the airport in Port-au-Prince. Was um, I'm trying to think of the name of the organization. The um, they were they were basically they fly into a lot of those kinds of fly food into a lot of those countries. They were they fly DC threes. Yeah, but, but go ahead. So so Rubicon for this one, um, we were the second people on the ground. So mm-hmm. there was one. There was one organization there before us, Mammoth Medical Missions, mm-hmm. and um, we took over where they left off. So they were there for like the first uh, 24, 48, 72 hours. I, I don't know the exact number, but then as soon as they vacated, they wanted to pass it on to someone, so they passed it on to us. And we, we mm-hmm. were there before the military. We were there before Red Cross, UN. Nobody was there before us except for Met- Mammoth Medical Missions. And so... Basically, what we did um, was we. It, the hard part is imagine flying a hundred people into some place and providing food, shelter, water, security, and then being able on top of that to execute um, high, high, high level um, missions on top of that. You know, so the, what they did was they, you know, talked to the locals <laughs> and got. Um, got us a, in Tacloban, uh, which is kind of the area that everybody was centered out of, they got us a warehouse uh, to sleep in. They made a deal with the guy, and it was actually a walled compound with um, 24-hour security. So so they got us safe there. And then, I mean, the shelter issue was kind of a, a problem early on, but that improved um, during during the course of events. You know, they had a couple of trucks there that, People were able to sleep in for a while, and then it got better and better. And uh, so that was the first step. And then for food, we just we just brought in MREs. Everybody had to pack a week's worth of food, um, and that was a big shock to my system because I'm not used to carrying a hundred pound pack. All right. You know that's that's just craziness. I I go in with ten pounds, and and that's it. But um, problem being it's anarchy and as far as being able to scrounge food and stuff like everybody else has the same idea so you're you know it's limited ability to scrounge and all that so that was the difference and I'm glad I did bring the food because the only time I was able to buy any extra food was some pork liver kebabs which were delicious by the way so <laughs> we, we we get in there and things literally by the hour change, like where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, what the plans are. So you have to be real flexible. Um, but what they did with me was there's a town um, 20 miles as the crow flies from Tacloban. And uh, there were there was already an Australian team at the airport that had like a field hospital set up so that we would have been duplicating services there. And then there was another team that was going to take over the hospital in Tacloban, so we would have been duplicating services there. So what what they did with me was they sent me up to um, a place called uh, Karigara. And uh, there's a hospital in Karigara, but it was like basically a family practice doctor was there, and that's their only doctor, and she'd just been getting slammed. And they're they're not necessarily equipped to handle like battlefield style injuries you know Mm -hmm. and so i went up there and they 
um, we we had two teams up there. One team was to have a clinic, and they did that at like the like their version of like a government courthouse type building. So they had a clinic there, and then they sent me and an orthopedic surgeon and a uh, two OB/GYN surgeons and um, two EMTs and an anesthesia nurse to um, the hospital in Karigara. And uh, they made me team leader. Imagine that. And uh, <laughs> within five minutes of walking into that place, we delivered babies and done surgery. Five minutes. You know, so we just we just did an enormous amount of trauma type, you know, amputations, you know, big debridements of nasty infected wounds, all these sorts of things, crush injuries. So... You know, we did. St- we just did an enormous amount of work up there. I think they said in our hospital alone, we saw and, and treated a thousand people. You know, we and most of those were surgical pa- patients that never would have gotten care, and a huge number of those would have died. Right. They had like gas gangrene and all these terrible infections, and little little kids with these horrible crushed limbs and you know infected wounds and all this and if you don't if you don't clean that stuff up and drain it out and treat it appropriately they're dead right that's gangrene central yeah and that's that's basically what we were dealing with medically up there and uh, those people have lots of babies like oh yeah it's crazy like uh so when we were there the ob-gynes were just basically constantly delivering babies so we were supposed to go back and sleep in this in in this uh, walled house compound thing in Karigara, but the hospital was so busy that the OB/GYNs and me and the anesthesia people just decided to sleep in the hospital in case stuff came in overnight, which it did. And um, so I I basically worked my butt off while I was there. Uh, but that's that's basically what we did. And then in in Tacloban itself, they had a uh, they also had other medical people. So there were there were like 75 people on this DMAT team. And the, the people that stayed behind in Tacloban, they had search and rescue. So they'd go like house to house, street to street, and get people and and bring them to medical attention and things like that. And then they also had like mobile medical teams that went out. So. Now it, it's kind of interesting because I I'm surprised that there's anybody even in still in that area because oh, there's not because yeah, yeah. the destruction is just the level yeah, it, of destruction is just horrible. Yeah, you well you know so it, the, it's uh, what people don't understand is um, what really happens when there's like a disaster of this sort. So you were in Haiti. Yeah. You you saw Port-au-Prince that was like flattened. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And just everything was collapsed, and it's just rubble, and and like people living in the rubble, basically. Right. Well, um, typhoons are a little bit different, um, and this this one was a little bit different. Um, it it wasn't necessarily an earthquake, but everything was destroyed. It's like when you watch those movies from, like when they would test atomic bombs. It's like that. Where the, yeah. you know everything is just blown away and and all screwed up and and so the the, the typhoon went through but then there was a 20 foot um, surge in the sea so this massive tidal wave went through and washed everything away and so um, 
just complete and total and utter destruction and anarchy was was what I saw. Just absolute yeah. and total destruction. I know there was some talk. Uh, I got a phone call uh, shortly about the same time you were you were getting ready to leave um, to go to a city in the south, in the way south, and they were going to build refugee camps. And they wanted me to go over with the management team to get things set up and and uh, uh, but my you know it it kind of cracks me up because you got that level of destruction in that sixty mile wide area and it just seems like it would be fairly simple to get on a <laughs> get on a palm tree because you got nothing left and float to the island just to the south or to the north of you yeah and just get out of there instead of just hanging out and hoping that somebody's going to come and take care of you because it's just clearly not going to happen so you know the the problem with with being able to evacuate is you've got um people like it it might if if you still have an intact family you're going to have husband wife and like 12 kids Okay, so how are you going to get those twelve kids onto a palm tree and? Well, them? you just yeah. you just you just tie them tie them all together, and you use them as a float because little kids a lot of times will float. Yeah, well, so you <laughs> no, see the but problem, you know and I, then, but you know, I, you, yeah, yeah, and, then, and I get that, I get it, that, but but still, I, I cannot. I would figure out a way to do it. Well, and, and then, and, but then here's the other thing. Um, you you have your wife and twelve kids, and two of them are missing. You want to vacate the area before you know what happened to them? Well, yeah, but they have a different feeling about their kids than we do, I think. Uh, maybe, but but you <laughs> see... Well, and then the other thing is, is if if they leave, where are they going to go? Right. Like, it's not like, you know, so a lot of these people have no resources outside of their little neighborhood. It's not like right. they have a family in Ohio that they can go stay with. Right. And I know that that's, that was why, and I, I'm not sure where that is right now. They said... Uh, um, they were the the guy that that uh, I would be working for was dealing with the Filipino government. Yeah, which is a bastion of corruption, anyways. You know, they, it's not like the. Um, I mean, so they they're trying to figure out a way to 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 get all these things in place because it's not an easy place to get to. It's not an easy place to move a, a, a you know any kind of resources to, and I think they were still haggling about going back and forth between putting the refugee camps in the middle of the disaster area mm. which poses a whole lot oh, of different God. different yeah. uh problems as opposed to a area that that still has a functioning system in place yeah well here's here's what i would do you know considerably considerably less uh security issues in manila than in the center of that bat, of the of the quote unquote war zone. Well, and it's not even the security issues; it's the wash issues, water, sanitation, hygiene. Right, know? right. And but you know what, though? But if you're if you're building a camp, whenever we would build camps, we would we were self-contained, so we would have all those things in place. But the problem is, is that you have an additional problem with with the anarchy. Yeah. As opposed to be, building something in place in in uh in manila or way to the south and yeah. then and then or, moving or, all of those people to those other places or because even, even 20 miles away yeah you know there's still if you move you know 30 30 miles out from the epicenter there's damage but it's not 
I mean, it's right. not as bad as it was right. Right, right at the epicenter. So so here's what I would do. Uh, and I have an evacuation story that you're going to laugh at. But, but first, what, what needs to happen is all of that rubble needs to be bulldozed en masse into the ocean. Okay, they need to take all of that shit and just flatten it out. Completely flatten it, level it, and start from fresh. Uh, and with the stuff that they bulldozed into the ocean, that's new land. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago, east of Michigan Avenue, look at, a, look at a map of Chicago from the air. Okay, you notice how there's that square there? Well, mm-hmm. land doesn't form in squares. What that yep. is, is they took the debris from the Chicago fire and bulldozed it into Lake Michigan, and now there's new land. Right. So what they need to do is they need to take all that shit and bulldoze it into the ocean and have new land there. Start with a clean, fresh slate and just start over. Because the way it is now, um, the the entire time I was in Tacloban, it smells like one big, giant, dead body. Oh, yeah. And you it know? is. You know, they're, the, well, they, they're it, claiming that ten, there was uh, the first initial response was there was 10,000 people that had died. And then they were they came back later on and said, well, no, there's actually only 3,500 that died. How do you count that? Well, and my feeling is the first the first initial is probably more correct than the second one. It, well, yeah, and then there, there's all kind. It was a storm surge, you know, right. so the water rushes in. It's 20 feet deep, and then it rushes back out. How, right. how do you count? Carries the people, everybody out. Yeah, how do you count the people that are at the bottom of of Davy Jones' locker there being eaten right. up by crabs, and then. And then the other thing is, is to a certain extent, the the local government didn't want to know because we had our search and rescue teams out, and they walked by the same dead baby lying next to a dead dog four days in a row, and right. and pointed it out to the police, and they're like, yeah, we know, and then they never did anything about it. Well, you know, that and that was the that was one of the reports that I had gotten was they couldn't even find people to pick up the dead bodies. Yeah, it's impossible. And, and I mean, I mean, it's just, and I know, I know that that takes a special skill to be able to do that, to deal with that. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of Vicks in that region, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it would take like, uh, you know, tubs of Vicks to co- to overcome that smell. It, it, it was, it was incredible. I mean, yep. the, the stench, and it wasn't just the dead bodies. It's like. All that water came in, and everything is rotting. It's black mold everywhere. You know, yep. it 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 was just a. And well, I and came I, back with some like respiratory problems. Like I, well, and my I t- voice on is top deeper, of that, all this crap, and it's and, well. And on top of that, you're talking about uh, um, a warm, moist temperature. What yeah. grows best in warm and moist temperature? Oh wait, bacteria. And yeah, molds. and mold and funguses, and so now yep. I've got this upper respiratory stuff going on that hopefully will clear up. Um, but it's like, you know, it, it's a disaster zone. They they oh, yeah. have to clean all of that out of there, and they just have to accept reality and say, okay, this is this place is fucked. We got to do something about this. And sorry, but we have to bulldoze all this crap out of here and yep. just start from yeah, because there's no there's no there's no salvage there, and and um and then you you couple that. With a, you know, like if that happens here, that happens in America, most of that stuff gets picked up like almost immediately. Yeah. You know, with it, we're talking within days. Yeah. And now we're into a month after that's happened. 
Yeah, and nothing is. It's, it's and they're just and they're just now talking about maybe maybe building a refugee camp. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But the others, the other side of it too is it's not like it's in in New Orleans or on the East Coast where they have four seasons and you know it gets cold in a short period of time and it's you know New Orleans is awful is awful in the winter time you know and so you have to have a place to put people up or you move them in mass somewhere else. To Houston, and they trash up yeah. Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Ask yeah. somebody from Houston what they think about that. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know. But that's the, but that's the uh, um, you know, that's kind of the way, the way in our in our country we're a little more functional mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of these countries that, that barely have a, a, a working government. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it never was. It never was a nice place. No. <laughs> well, I. Okay, you, you, you got to back that up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it is What's a that? nice. It is a nice place, and the people I met were like marvelous. You know, but like for the first, for the first, like, I, I never saw a single government official, even our, even our military people, the UN, all those people, they stayed in the airport. You know, like, and the right. police, like, I never saw any any kind of government anything outside of the airport the entire time I was there. And they were just in hiding, you know, so it was nonstop monkey business, you know, but, um, and the, but the people I met were like awesome, you know, and, and so it was a nice place because of that. But, you know, it's by, by our standards of, of, what we're going to tolerate out of our government and like what we expect, like you're you're absolutely right. They they are just not on the same level, right. response wise. But um, um, so what so what were you using for amputations? Were you using a uh, uh, a, a a Bark River or a Becker <laughs> or a SA nine? Well, or? okay. So so <laughs> the supply chain is like uh, we're going to talk about what knives I brought because that's what everybody's most important question is and it should be that that is the most important thing what knife did you bring but um (laughs) the uh and there were some knife nuts there actually and i'll I'll tell you about that but um and and actually the philippine people are knife nuts oh yeah big oh yeah but um so what was that what was i saying you were going to ask about the knives and then uh of what you were doing amputations with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this whole... There was... Even even coming in, um, there was, like, kind of a whole supply chain issue. Uh, and we, we didn't we didn't ever have um, good communications up. Because we, we had sat phones, but there were only a few of them. And um, they just didn't... They didn't work for whatever reason. <coughs> so we were basically using handwritten notes passed back and forth once a day between Tacloban and Carigara and most time you didn't get them and then I'd get them but I'd have no way to respond so I'd just do what they wanted me to do but they'd have no way of knowing that I did it you know so it was just, <laughs> see all that note passing in school was really important it was a real important skill set yeah well you know hey communication <laughs> but uh, you, know, you know and that that also goes to um you know sometimes Sometimes uh, it didn't happen in this case, but in a lot of in a lot of places, the people giving the orders have no, they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and so you'll get this order that's like completely asinine, and 
they'll expect you to respond to it and there's no way for you to communicate back. And that didn't happen in my case. Everything that I got was reasonable. And so I I executed everything I was supposed to, but then they didn't know that I'd executed it. There's right. no way for them to know. So communications were kind of an issue. Um, supply chain was kind of an issue because um, it, trying to get drugs um, is a little bit hard in a disaster zone. And, and then trying to sneak them in is a whole other issue. Well, you know, I, I was surprised by that. When you guys went over there, you didn't bring a lot of We, we brought as much as you. we could. I mean, we brought enough. We, we, were able to, we were able to function with what we got. Um, we brought a lot of um, Cipro, a lot of uh, pediatric, like, rehydration stuff, you know, some, some of this, some of that. But as far as, like, anesthesia drugs and that, like, it's, it's very, very difficult to just get, like, propofol or mm -hmm. get Versed or get, um, you know, any of the other anesthesia drugs. So we kind of had to scrounge, and we, we got it. Um, we, we did bring some, uh, scalpel blades and some disposable scalpels. So that's what I used for a lot of that. And then, the the hospital had a, you know, a, a smattering of, you know, pretty simple rudimentary surgical instruments. Um, but no way to sterilize them. <laughs> Cause the fire. Yeah. Well, there was no electricity. And, um, so what I did was I just, we just, uh, got some isopropyl alcohol and a, and a tub and, you would wash the instruments the best you could and then throw them into this alcohol and then it's sterile after that. But I mean, it right. was like, it, it was, it was craziness. It was just nonstop like monkey business the entire time and using, you know, no, basically no equipment. There was no electricity, candlelight at night, you know, these sorts of things. You needed the professor, like from Gilligan's Island. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we needed. We actually did some Gilligan's Island type stuff. You know, there. you know what's interesting. You could have taken that um, that little gizmo that I got that charges with a little fire. Yeah. Well, then the, then the problem being, okay. So so here's the other thing is like we had a generator, but no way to make it work. You know, like, because there's, the problem being, it's like a 110 generator, and right. the hospital, everything in there was like 220. So, right. like, what do you do? And then, um, you know, it's just stuff that you don't foresee. So, we never did get power up and running, but we had, um, we had for, like, cell phones and radios and things, we had uh, <clears throat> one of those uh, Goal Zero um, solar chargers. Mm -hmm. And we were able to charge with that, but that was at the main base. And actually, the main base had a diesel generator. Mm -hmm. That's in Taklaban. I'm 20 miles away. You know, right. we never See, did get power. You, you should have brought me. Well, hey, you, you know, I, if you I know how to power. do that hey, stuff, you can. I'll of course, I know how to do that stuff. Are you kidding me? Well, and then okay, so here's the other thing. Like here's <laughs> the other thing. Michigan. We have to deal with generators all the time. I have well, a half a dozen generators. Well, and then here's the other thing. Like, um, you know, uh, how do I put this diplomatically? Um, sometimes you'll have a team, and, and I'm not even do, saying this specifically about the Philippines because everything went great there. But um, other other instances sometimes you'll have a team and they do it you know pretty much the way the military does there's a 
a team leader and they're in control of four maximum five guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the guy that's in charge has never done the task that they were put in charge of and well, has no clue. And right. there's like maybe one guy on the team that actually does know and the rest of them don't know. And so one right. guy has to do all the work under a leader that doesn't know his ass right. from the hole in the ground. But, and you know what? That's interesting because we were we were actually talking about some of that stuff yesterday. People do not realize how much they don't know. Oh, everybody thinks they're an expert. Yep, yeah. yep. People do not realize how much they don't know. And when it comes to like the broad a broad spectrum uh, antibiotic, I've had this. I've had a wonderful. I've got a wonderful skill set that I learned growing up. It's not just for any one particular job I've done, but it was it was always basically having to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And I'll, I'll digress here to to a little bit of a. Um, kind of a funny story not so funny but it's funny um i rented my house to a young couple come to find out the young couple was really young they were the the wife was or the 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 mother to be was only 17 she couldn't even sign the lease oh my gosh uh, the father was uh, uh he was 22 and they literally did not know anything they wanted to rent a house so I, so we said okay we'll we'll do that and and we'll we'll get it squared away for you, and you can burn wood in the boiler. You can and things that I just take for granted how, how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like looking at me like I had a dick grown out of my forehead. <laughs> they, they they had no idea what I was even talking about. You know when I said you know, and, and my wife said you know she said Pe- people just don't know how to do anything anymore. They they really a lot of people just they literally do not know how to do anything, and and it takes. You have to live in 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 an in a way that I mean I'm not a, I'm not a wealthy guy. My wife and I work hard. We've been married a long time, but we've always had to make do. You know, yeah. make something work. Sometimes it wasn't always the ideal situation, but we had to make it work. Right. And and we've and we've always done really well at that. Whenever I went to any one of these disaster or any one of these missions that I've been on. You run across uh, situations where you have a pile of equipment in the corner because nobody knows how to use it. Yeah. And they were always surprised when I could put, you know, plug this into that and start this up and make this, and then all of a sudden yeah. we've got air conditioning, you know, and and <laughs> you know, okay, and it, and it was and it's all because of a skill set that I learned as I was growing up. Yeah. Which is totally gone now. Well, I think and, that, and, and I think I, that, and I was ahead. the same way. You know, yeah. when I was in Haiti. I restored power to the hospital, and every every day they would they would get a new shipment of gas or whatever, and then the generation generator would go, and it would blow all the circuits, and so I'd have to go up to the roof and and fix it every single day. Yeah. But like, yeah. And and I could have done that here. The I I absolutely could have done every job that that was there, because um, you know I grew up in the same way. Yep, I could yep. have gotten power back. The problem is, like. I wasn't you were doing tasked surgery. with that, and I had a much more yeah you high were doing surgery task. yeah I was doing surgery I wasn't I was doing surgery but I was also running the team yeah so I yep. I had to do my part then I had to figure out how to triage all the patients and task somebody to that and then I had to figure out how to sterilize the instruments and anytime anybody had a question I had to be there to answer it so 
you know, if you've got a building team along, that's what they need to be doing. You know, right. They, th- th- it's somebody else needs to figure that shit out. I can't do yep. everything. You know what's you know? what's really kind of funny about uh, when they set up those kind of uh, groups? They don't realize that you still need to have somebody that knows how to do almost every single job. Yeah. You know that uh, that that can uh, um, anything that the that the team lead says. You know we got to have this done. I, I don't know how to do it. I just need somebody to <laughs> pick up the mantle and get that get that task done. And yeah. uh, and that's how I mean that was it's kind of funny because that's that's pretty much how I how I function. I mean any anything from electronics to you know I mean I remember when I was when I was in high school I did a work study program at an electronic um, we were repairing numerical control machines mm-hmm. and. Uh, my my boss basically said to me, you know, he said troubleshooting is the same. If you learn how to troubleshoot, you can troubleshoot a car, you can troubleshoot electronics, you can troubleshoot electrical, you can troubleshoot almost anything. Mm-hmm. But the the key is to learn how to troubleshoot, how mm-hmm. to divide things up into systems and and see if this system's not working or why this system's not working and and how it's related. And just understand that they're that all of these systems have, they're all related, yeah. and there's a there's a uh, um, you know input and output from everywhere making things work. Yeah. And if you want, if you can get your head wrapped around the the whole troubleshooting skill, that can be applied to almost anything. Yeah. And uh, he said whether it's a washing machine or it's a personal computer, it's the same skill. Just yeah. it's just different components. Yeah, and that's I mean, and it's the same thing with a human body, really. Yeah, you know, you, it's you it's break... like understanding the relationships between, you know, your lungs and your heart. Yeah, and and which how to fix all that. But but anyway, the you know, that's just I plumbing. Think the the reason I bring this up is, is I think you would you would be, you you would have the potential of being extremely frustrated. <laughs> um, on on a, a team up there, unless unless you were able to be the team leader, and because the chances are the person that they put in charge of you um, probably had like some low level, you know, staff sergeant thing in the military, but you know, what's, it, it what's may interesting be that they've about never that. never swung an axe, and they're on like some wood chopping team. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's interesting about that stuff is is I've gone I've gone to some of these on some of these deals where where I went there as literally I was going to be a security guard. Mm-hmm. You know, basically I was going to carry a gun and was going to, you know, secure the area. Mm-hmm. And ended up being like manager of like three different camps. And that's that's <laughs> eventually the cream rises if if you're yep. there long enough. You know, eventually, eventually that happens. But for the first bit until, because the other thing is, like you were saying, everybody thinks they know everything and they really know very little. You know, everybody thinks they know, but they know not. And they assume that everyone else is as stupid as they are and everyone else is running (laughs) the same con game. So, like, you, they would, even if you knew everything and could demonstrate it, they would be suspicious. Right. You know, I'm not talking right. specifically Rubicon or anything. I'm just talking about right. humans in general. Right. Like, 
and so eventually you just have to say, okay, listen, dipshit. I'm not <laughs> listening to your stupid, I, inane fucking instructions anymore. I think, I'm doing I think it my of, way because my way is right, and you're an idiot. Yeah. And, and that's literally it, what you would do. You would, you would, <laughs> you would pull your eyebrows out because you can't pull your regular hair out. But, right, right. Uh, we, we had a, well, I could pull that stuff off my chin out. Yeah, there you um, go. I, and I know that that's that that's true. And it's usually the guys that are in charge that are the they cause you the most frustration. Yeah. Because they don't even realize how much they don't know. They're just uh, well, just go build that. You know, it's like oh, here's a toothpick and a and it's in a in a uh, uh, tire, and we want you to build a, a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the, and the role of the team leader is you don't have to know everything. Like, I don't know everything about OB-GYN. I don't know everything about ortho. But um, the role of the team leader is to, to at least have an understanding of if somebody asks you a question or asks for something, you at least have enough of a knowledge base to be able to answer the question or know someone who does. You know, it, it'd be like... Uh, you know, putting some some guy that has never done anything but like sat around his house and and played Xbox in charge of a DMAT team, right? You know, like you yeah, have I did to it. have people in it. charge that know what they're doing. I did it on the, on the Xbox. You can't have that rubber ball. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> your dogs are crazy. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, so you know, anyone can join Rubicon, and I, I if you know if you have actual skills, especially if you're a vet, please do join. Um, and uh, you know what we need, we absolutely need wash experts. So if you if you have like water sanitation hygiene background, um, and can get things like showers up and running, and toilets and latrines and um, and things like that, just basic stuff like that, we need you. Um, you know, there's a... Couldn't you, guys dig, couldn't you guys dig latrines? Well, yeah, but where doing? do you put it in the right spot? And why oh. do you want your... You know, like there's this whole thing. Like if, if you set up in a muddy field, say, okay, how do you get the standing water out of there? Where's the appropriate pot spot to put a latrine? If you put showers up, how do you get it to drain right so that it doesn't cause flooding? I mean, these are all simple things, but you need somebody that's actually done it and can do it with no tools in a third world anarchy situation. You know, so they they actually had two wash experts. One um, had some um, issues and couldn't go. Uh, And then the other one gets in country and, you know, he's been... You know, oh, I'm Mr. This and That, I've done this and that and that. Comes in, looks around, says, I can't do anything here, and is on the next plane out. Does, does, <laughs> uh, did you guys have any or access to any kind of uh, backhoe equipment no, type? Nothing, it, nothing it, like no, that? Nothing, nothing. I mean, we could get shovels and stuff, and there was enough bodies that could do it. You know, but the, again, the problem is having someone that actually has a background in that and knows their ass from a hole in the ground and can function in anarchy and is willing to sleep on um, the ground with a mosquito net maybe and get rained on and all those sorts of things. That's the, 
that's the and eat MREs for a week. You know, that's yeah. the that's the issue. You know, and so if you're a wash expert, you're needed. Um, we really, really, really need somebody that can do electricity, like in the worst way. You know. Yeah. And it and it's um and it needs to be somebody that can basically do a MacGyver job. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know if you don't have like the exact thing that you're used to using, you can make it work. And and that's right. like you said, that's a very rare thing. Right. You know, that's why it's such a problem is because there are people that know how to do these things, but they're they're not willing to adapt. They don't have the kind of mind that allows well, them to think and, around problems and And if you if you take a typical electrician, they they have a certain, you know, set of rules that they have to abide by. They had to do that to get to be an electrician, a real electrician. Yeah. And and uh, a lot of times they show up and they're they can't work with what they have huh. because it's not doesn't meet code it doesn't yeah. do this it doesn't you know and they're and then they're worried about their license getting into you know yeah i mean you know and so they they it, it's just uh it's and then again how many people do you know that are gonna that are willing to go into an anarchy place in a tropical climate with nothing yeah you know it, again like it, it's it's a rare combination of of skills and then it has to be the right person it, yeah. you know not not everybody is going to be able to do that and i'm just an average guy from iowa but uh <laughs> it turns out i'm actually fairly decent at dealing with uh hard conditions but anyway. dealing with shit. yeah tough stuff anyway, okay i gotta tell you about the um one more thing one more story and then we'll get on to knives um uh, the evacuations. Why aren't they evacuating people? Okay, so it was time for me to get out of Dodge. So uh, there's no, there wasn't any commercial flights, and so I went to the airport to try to get on a C-130 to get out of there. And so I sat on the the tarmac there, and you know we were supposed to be able to get a C-130. The Philippine military was flying, our military was flying, the Marines were there, and. Uh, we we had commercial flights booked, but all the commercial flights were canceled. And then about halfway through waiting through the day there, uh, the the our guys, the Marines, put up a sign that said there will be no flights out today. And we're like, what the hell? That you've got C-130s and C-17s leaving basically hourly empty. What do you mean there's no flights? And they're like, well, there's no flights. And so we're like, well, why are you flying them out empty? You know, we need to get the hell out of here, and, you know, they're going out empty. And they're like, well, some congressmen and senators came in, and they don't want to, like, fly out with you, like, rapscallions and stinky people. <laughs> you know, so, so and I need to I need to verify that this is actually true. But, um, and I, if That's I can, funny. if I actually figure out that, like, some Democrat congressman from Illinois flew in there and didn't want to, like, fly out with us, with us common folks, I'm going to raise hell, you know, because I sat literally, I sat on that tarmac from six in the morning until like six at night waiting for a flight, you know. <coughs> well, it could and, have been, uh, it could have been a Republican too. No, it wouldn't be because, because <laughs> if it was a Republican, you would have already heard about it. They would have, he would have already been smoked in the media. Right. 
Like he would have been tarred and feathered and out of Congress by now. Yeah, but, but um, and 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 most of them wouldn't uh, wouldn't do that. No, God no, they, because they'd get tarred and feathered, and, and they mm-hmm. should. And I I think that the people that did that should be tarred and feathered if it if it indeed happened and it wasn't just a story. But but so anyway. Um, the Philippine military was flying out, but they would only take us a couple at a time, and they have those like old janky. Um, Where were they C-130s. flying you to? Manila. We were trying to get up to either Manila or there was a a base nearby that we could go to. That was a three hour bus ride from I can't remember the name of the base, but three hour bus ride from Manila, and we would have just gotten on a bus. But uh and then some other ones were going to Cebu, which is easy to get out of. But uh, so I'm waiting, 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 waiting. A couple of our guys got out on Philippine C-130s, and I was two guys away from being able to go on one of those flights. And so we're waiting, waiting, waiting. In comes this massive C-17, and I've got video of that thing landing. It's it's like crazy how big those things are. And so uh, we bribed um, the flight controller with uh, beef jerky and a bolo and a bunch of other crap. And he said, okay, well, you're going to get on this plane. And so we're like, yes, because we'd waited all day. And we're like walking out to the C-17, and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. A three-star general, whatever three-star general is in charge there, said there are no snakes on this plane and booted us. Like, oh, yeah, so we, I didn't get a fly, so I had to wait oh. another day to fly out. That but, sucks. Yeah, so <clears throat> it was, uh, and, and, you know, these planes are not, it's not like they were going out with a bunch of people on board. They were going out empty because, right. because there was an order from on high, um, you know, and the, the reason that they gave us was that there were like congressmen and senators and they didn't want to fly with riffraff. Ah. So, uh, at any rate, I, again, I don't, I haven't independently verified that, but if I, I'm, I am going to look into that, and if I find out that that's the case, some hell is going to be raised. I would think that you could Google and say what congressman went to the Philippines. Uh, yeah, recently. I just, I just haven't had time. But um, so anyway, uh, what knives did I bring? Yeah, so, what knives did you bring? Well, there was a machete on the list. They, they, okay. they sent us you're, a packing list, and one of them was a machete. So I brought my lawnmower blade prang, and it saw action. And of course, performed perfectly as you would expect. And then I, <laughs> and then I, I brought a, uh, I brought a Victorinox Spartan because I didn't know what the knife laws were, and I didn't want to lose like some three hundred dollar folder or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just brought a Victorinox Spartan. Well, it turns out like. People were bringing all kinds of crazy shit down there. You had guys with every description of Benchmade and autos, and then one guy had a BK7, um, big, huge, you know, fixed blade. His, his, oh, yeah. He was Bell. Um, he was on the build team. He's a cool guy. Um, but uh, I also interviewed two vets, one of which was a Marine, and the other of which, um, not sure what he did, about what knives they used in the service. And you know how we have that theory uh, that they just use whatever's at the PX? Right. Well, it turns out the people we've been talking to have been misrepresenting our... We have a skewed sample, basically, because the ones we've been talking to are knife nuts. All right, These right. These guys were like, uh, just whatever they had, you know, like uh, I, I was going to carry a K-bar, but it was too big, and I didn't want it yeah. on my webbing, and 
you know, so I recorded a couple of those. I'll probably splice in here so people can. Well, hear. that that is that is interesting because I, you know when you if you're a knife nut mm-hmm. and you go to Afghanistan, you got something mm-hmm. because you know somebody somehow and you've gotten something mm-hmm. either and a lot of times that a knife nuts kid will have something mm-hmm. or but when you when you talk to John Q John John Q soldier that was over there just you know yeah. doing whatever he was doing he typically didn't have much of just anything opening MREs Typi- yeah, yeah. Gerber tool. I mean, or yeah. one of those tools. Yeah, that it, was the, that was the is, common thing. Gerber is the go-to. Yep. Everybody every, had uh, everybody had some kind of tool. Yep. And then whatever they could buy at the PX, which was like a Gerber, or they had Benchmades there, but not so many. Gerber and Columbia River had some packaged clamshell stuff that were what was there. Yeah. But but it, but it's kind of funny. I mean, it, we we all like to think of the. The romance of a big fighting knife and shit, but, <laughs> but but it's just not it's just not the Speaking case. Speaking of which, uh, you know how we we geek out about the hollow handled survival knives. Well, there's a right Ooh, now. I got my sheath back. Oh, sweet! Right now, there's a 17 page thread on Blade Forums. Are are hollow handled knives practical? And of course, you know it's like <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, I, I haven't weighed you know, in on it because it's I, it's, I know it's kind of funny because a lot of people don't. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure why why there's such dissension about that. <laughs> um, I, re- I really don't, and it and it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I know I know they're much heavier. I mean, there's there's but I, I actually am thinking real serious about bringing on our trip that one of one of those hollow handles. Yeah, you know that probably that Boker. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. which we got to start really seriously thinking about planning. Yeah. Um, my my um, I mean I I gave the task to uh, um, uh, Brian the other day about picking a route. Okay. Across the north, so he's he's actively working on that. He called me up the other day and he he was kind of freaked out because he had. Wanted to put, he's got a really nice uh, heli. Um, oh, it's the knife that uh, the survivor guy. Yeah, one of those used Bucos or whatever. Right, right, yeah. it, and it and it is a nice knife. I I got nothing against it at all. Beautiful handle on it. Well, he wanted to patina it, and I I said, you know, I said just use it. I yeah, said it'll use it and naturally. It, it'll happen naturally because he's got one that's stainless and he's got the other one that's that's a carbon steel, uh-huh. and he wanted to fix it. And I said, well, I said there's a couple ways to do it. I said you can put it in vinegar, you can put it in an apple, you can cut up apples. That does it really nice. You can stick it in a potato and leave it for a couple days. You know, there's a there's a couple different things you can do. I said, but you got to be careful. Keep the handle away from the. If you're putting it in vinegar, or putting it in some kind of liquid, you got to keep the handle away from it because it's not a my car to handle. It's a wood handle. Yeah. And um, so he was real careful about it, and he dangled it over the a jar of of vinegar with, you know, and he said there was probably an eighth of an inch below the handle. Well, I think what maybe the gas or something got up to, into the handle. And yeah. it actually separated some of the wood from it. So oh, he called me up and he was all freaked out. It cracked the handle a little bit. And so I uh, uh, went up to Bark River last week and um, 
for a little day trip, and I brought that with me, and the guys up there fixed it up for him real nice and Sweet. sent it back down to him. He was all happy about it. But um, but we what we were doing at Bark River was talking about the the Jim Noka line of knives for Bark River. Sweet. <laughs> Lucky. So, so we're 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 gonna start. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna call them though. I, I'm, we're I'm it, I'm sure it's not gonna be the Jim Noka line of knives, but it's gonna be. Uh, um, we were laughing about what you know what to call them, but we really don't have a good set of names for them. But um, but they're gonna be a they're gonna be a uh, com- combination of some traditional blade styles and modern. Um, modern building techniques and modern uh uh some modern design too but cool. um it ought, it ought to be kind of cool i'm I'm pretty geeked about it and yeah that's that's and a I, great I, gig. more than likely the biggest knife in there will probably be an eight inch knife <laughs> but that's it but but, that, but that'll be it yeah 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 but, see you're, you're lucky see i have to i have to do that on my own <laughs> yeah i had to start my own so here's here's uh here's the first one off the Oh, you know that's cool looking. I like that. That's your little um, gaucho style knife. Yep. I like that. Yeah, it turned out nice, and it, it it's uh you know I stamped it, and it's got a number one on there, and then lignum vitae for the handle, and then um, brass, and then I did the uh, riveted, so that it, you don't need glue. Of course, there's glue nice. in there, but um, and the balance is perfect. I nice. I hate my trick. I mean, it's like. It, it just nice. handles really well. Where, where's so. mine? Where's mine? Eh, you'll get number two or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I so like I've, that. That's pretty sweet looking. Yeah, I know, and it's it's awesome. And you know, basically, I I made this one to learn how to do the um, stick tang handle. The other thing I did was a differential temper. So I I tempered to soft the tang, and then this area right here. Uh, so the the area just in front of the tang, so I guess the ricasso, and then the spine I tempered, but I left the tip and the cutting edge absolutely hard, mm-hmm. um, and then everything else is kind of a little bit tempered. Um, and uh, that's so, sweet looking. Yeah, it's bomb ass, and it's it's gonna hold the edge real well because it's it's got that it's still real hard steel there, and then it, it should be a little bit more. Um, durable and stuff. Now this is this is out of uh, spring steel. This this one's 10.95. Okay. Um, but uh, that's, that's that's a nice looking knife. That's yeah. a very nice looking knife. Yeah, it's it's uh, I'm I'm real happy with how it turned out. I still don't have my freaking grinder. Did I just hear a engine? Some kind of yeah. Pe- somebody some peel te- out or something? Some teenagers around here, which gets me to another story. But um, okay. Well, anyway, I I, I am going to be up that way soon. As soon as okay. Mike lets me know that my grinder is in. Yeah, I think because, they have to build them. Well, it's yeah, it's um, it's by Brookings, so I don't know, I don't know how long it takes them to do it, but hopefully, hopefully that'll come in soon. But anyway, so when I was in, uh, you're gonna laugh. Uh, and I also have another knife story, but before I get to that, when I was in uh, in uh, Tacloban there, uh, we had that secure compound, so people wanted to stay with us. Well, CNN, a couple of the guys from CNN, their cameramen and, and stuff, came and stayed with us. And uh, one morning, I hear this, 
And so I, I'm like, what the hell? I get out of my hammock and I look up and there's a drone flying overhead. And <laughs> they had this drone that they were flying around taking video of the area and stuff. And so I found the guy who was controlling it. He was standing on top of a, uh, a semi-trailer up there and I saw him controlling it. And I'm like, as soon as he landed it, I'm like, okay, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's a blah, 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 blah. And I'm, so I wrote it down. And before I left the Philippines, I had one on the way to my house. <laughs> so here it is. I bought a I bought a real drone, right? It's um so it's a quadcopter, and oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's super easy to control. It has a crazy range. Um, it has Wi-Fi, and it's got a built-in camera that you can control with your smartphone. Tent shoots 1080. Um, and then it sends a Wi-Fi signal back to your uh, to your cell phone, and uh, you can see that what, thing is freaking awesome. Yeah, you can see. I'm gonna fly this over Bark River, and I'm gonna fly over the top of Building X to try to see what's in there. But uh, <laughs> fly in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna fly it in <laughs> at, at my little drone. You gotta be careful though. You get might get shot down. I know that there it probably would. Um, but uh, anyway, it shoots 1080. Uh, video and stills, and um, it'll it'll now, send. Now, do you it. fly that with your iPhone, or could you use an iPad? Or well, I've got a, it. It comes with a controller, a little four four or five channel controller, um, and then basically what you use the iPhone for is uh, you can see a live video feed, you can control the camera, and then you can do several um, settings on this. So the cool thing about this sucker is is it's GPS enabled. Ooh. So if you if you let go of the controls, it will use the GPS satellites to stabilize itself and hover right where you've got it. Sweet. Yeah, and and the, the other thing is it'll the wind will blow and it makes adjustments and the camera never moves. Like the camera adjusts and everything based so on the GPS. It's battery powered. Yeah, yeah, lithium battery right back here. Um, and how uh, long is it? How long is the flight time? Twenty-five minutes. So and more so, than enough. did you get extra batteries? Yeah, I ordered four. They're not here yet. Um, okay, so you can have four of that. Oh, so it's not like a charging pack that no, you can. Well, no, it is. You have to charge it. But what I'll do is I'll have four charged up in addition yes. to the one that's in it. And then, um, dude, so, that's sweet. Yeah, I know. Our my the video channel or uh, the YouTube channel is going to get really awesome really quickly. To send me have... uh, send me a text with uh, the brand of that. <laughs> I will. Yeah, and once I bring it up there, once you see it flying and like taking video, you're gonna buy one. You're just gonna. It's like it's insane. Like, what's the what's the maximum elevation? Uh, I don't know. Very very high. <laughs> <laughs> like high enough. High enough that if it falls, it's gonna crash. Yeah. Well. And break. Well, here's the other thing. The GPS. Or is it auto land by itself? It will. Um, because of the GPS. So if it goes out of range. It uses GPS to retrace its exact flight path back to where it took off from. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's uh, the cat's ass. Well, so... And for and for the knife nut people that are t- saying that we're not talking about knives here, mm-hmm. there are uh, 16 knives on that on that thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it comes with like a Swiss Army blade that you can just open it up and like open your beer off the side of this drone and stuff. Yeah, so. but there's 16, there's 16 blades. Yeah, well there's, yeah, well there's four rotors, four times isn't there two. Uh, isn't there four? Yeah. Or isn't there four on, four blades on each rotor? No, just two. 
So there's eight blades. Oh, okay, so there's eight. I thought there was four. I thought they were four-bladed props. No, just two. But okay. um, but anyway, uh, so we got I, so I got that drone, and we're going to start using that for our videos and stuff. That's awesome. Uh, and for reconnaissance and monkey business. Well, so yesterday I was out flying it around, <coughs> and this car was driving down the street, and at the front of the block... Like, it peeled out, like this teenager, right? He, like, peels out at the top of my block. Well, I've got this drone sitting right over the top of the thing. And he sees that drone there and, like, slams on his brakes and goes, like, two miles an hour. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I hovered on top of his car and, like, followed him for a while. So hopefully he'll stay out of my neighborhood. What would be funny is you can actually use that while you're, while you're driving in your car. Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. I'm, uh, and then, but, but what I'm going to do is the other thing is, is there's this big park across the street from my house and there's a shelter over there and these naughty teenagers sit over there and smoke and drink beer and smoke pot and screw each other and they wreck the shelter and they're always breaking down basketball hoops and stuff. And, uh, last year my wife declared war on them and called the cops on them like every day and all this. And one time they even came over and like, like tried to get all physically intimidating and walked onto the property and all this so so what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to hover that drone over the top of that shelter and just have it hovering <laughs> there all summer long <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i know <laughs> it, it freaks right. those teenagers out okay yeah, knives. That's, knives. that's good back to knives so um so in karigara it turns out that that's one one of the places that has the most famous uh, Filipino style knives. So I bought every single one they had, um, and <laughs> those are cool. Yeah, well, and it's uh, you know, they're made from leaf spring. And if you yep. go, if you go to our forums and you go into general, so uh, uh, knife journal forums. Uh, look in the general I, I put up a thread of videos of these being forged and and um awesome well this is it's they call them bolos locally and they use them like bolos um somebody um well mike mike says they're not bolos and mike would know right um, but then somebody else i posted uh that video and somebody else commented that it's a sansibar and so I did a Google Images search for Sansibar, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're forged from uh, leaf spring steel. They've got forged in fullers, buffalo handles, all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Now, you have to oil that buffalo horn, right? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, they, they oil them there, but um, th I'm not sure how to take care of those exactly, so I need to I think I think you have to oil those to keep them uh, from cracking. Because yeah. I think they dry out and crack. What do you oil them with? Like mineral oil or? I think so. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't have a lot of buffalo horn Mike stuff because of that. Mike knows. Yeah, we'll Mike ask knows. him. Okay, so Thanksgiving. we have a. I had a slug of people here yesterday, all my family and, and some friends, and had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope everybody out there had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um but my geek out knives were what I used yesterday for my for for food prep and uh, and um, carving the turkey. And uh, hang on a second, I'll grab them. These were uh, 
a chef's knife. Oh, cool. That uh, that our friend made. Yeah, that can only be a bark river. Yep, and it's a. Um, I believe these are Sandvik steel. Wow, and look at and it's got the. It's look at how the bottom of that is polished and all. Yep, it's beautifully polished, and it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. I did performer. I did all of my, all of my vegetables, all of my my chopping tasks that I had to do. We made um, homemade uh, stuffing, uh-huh. uh, bread breadcrumbs for the stuffing with uh, cubes, big chunks of. Uh, um, Made our own croutons uh-huh. out of out of bread for, with that, and and this worked wonderful, 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 wonderful. Did a great job. Uh-huh. And then when it came, when the two turkeys came out of the roasters, then I used this guy. Whoa, what is that? That's this a, is a bark. This is a bark river also. This yeah. is actually just made for slicing meat. Wow, and, that, and like that's all, all we use it for. Stuff. What's the no, name of a, it? I don't know. Bark River Slicer. Yeah, it's like a kebab knife almost. Huh. This is this is twelve C twenty seven. I'm sure the yellow one is probably the same thing. Huh. And and it's just used I just use this for slicing like when I go to um uh and get like a loin uh-huh. and want to slice it up into steaks. Um typically I'll use this knife. I have another big Hinkles, old Hinkles from like the thirties that I use once in a while if it's a big, big loin, but but for the most part I use this for slicing roast beef, for slicing uh did all my turkey slicing with this. Cool. And it's got a it's got a nice point on it so you can uh you can take the take the breast right out and take the bird apart real well. Um does a great job. Awesome. Great job. And so those are my two geek out knives for the day was um and they're they're very well made. They're very nicely appointed with uh, with um, guards. And I don't know if handles. you can see the so yeah. Like can a, you see the, uh, the yeah? Pins, got mosaic mosaic pins. Yep, yep, yep. And then he's this is a two piece handle that has I don't even remember what the uh, it's it's got some kind <clears throat> of a a maple handle that's uh, some kind of a maple burl handle that's dyed, mm-hmm. and then I think it's ebony on the front. Mm-hmm. And then this one is just two. It's red micar red linen micarta, uh-huh. and white micarta. Yeah, the white paper. Yep. Yeah, so this cool. is a, more of a user, you know, a typical day-to-day user. But everything's pinned and it's, yeah, it's nice. just fantastic, wonderful balance, and and they really, really work quite nice. Yeah. So those are my two geek out knives for the for the day. We they got real good service yesterday. That's cool. Real good service. Yeah, I, yep. I used um, I used my gaucho for to eat with, um, and uh, I mean these are awesome, awesome, awesome steak knives. So when I when I get my grinder and I get these into production, um, these are going to be, I mean, if you want a steak knife, this is going to be it. it. It's yeah. You know, but it's it's not it's not like your Walmart steak knife though. You know, it's no. like hand forged. It's like two or three steps above what you're so ever, you ever going to oh, buy. Excuse me. Are you going to um, uh, put a sheath around that? Um, I have to talk to the guy from um, Great Lakes. And Greg? See, yeah, see if next next time I'm up there or whatever. And Greg, if you listen, I need to talk to you because um, I'm going to need um, some sheath and stuff. The, the problem... He just, he, 
What's he just it? did a sheath for my hollow handle knife. That's pretty cool. Where do you see it? You're gonna you're yeah. gonna freak out. Well, I gotta see if I can make a deal with him. Um, the the again the problem with the gaucho knives and the hand forged stuff is it all ends up just slightly different. So right. It's gonna have to be kind of a universal sheath for those. Um, and then the the Bowies when I get those made, those will all be more or less the same. Um, and that uh, uh, armor all leather guy is going to make a few and I'm going to give people the option of uh, having him make them for him and then for Kydex um, Eli from Godspeed Tactical I'm going to use him and then you know other people as they become did, available. Did I, did I read you that uh, that email that I got from Dwayne? Uh-uh. I'll, I'll have to read that off air. <laughs> You'll get a kick out of it because we he talks about the the um, the shoulder holster that I got from him. Oh yeah, that that um, yeah. So it, um, Jim has a left-handed shoulder holster from um, Dwayne uh, Puckett from Armor All Leather, and it was one of his like first first pieces. Yeah, first yeah. first attempts. Yeah. For my 1911, and he he said he's kind of embarrassed by it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, every everything that I've got from him is like top 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 quality yeah. and that that's yeah. why for for my um for my stuff i'm gonna give people the option of custom ordering from him and then um uh i want to talk to the guy from great lakes and see if yeah. i can get a bunch made greg does a nice job he yeah. he's he is definitely uh a great leather guy yeah does i a, mean does it, a wonderful he, job he does and, the stuff for bark river and it's all fantastic yep. that's one of yep. the great things about bark river knives is they come with an awesome sheath mm-hmm. you know so i'm going to try to hook into that supply line but i haven't talked to him yet i guess i don't even have a way to get a hold of him but I, i'll talk to him when i'm up there again yep yeah yeah well he's i give you his phone number too i've got his numbers yeah i'll, I'll talk to him when i'm up there so did you get any Black Friday deals? Oh, so so anyway, I've got a gig tonight, right? Uh, I people that don't know, I play with a, I have a blues band, and we we play blues festivals and these sorts of things. I we don't really typically play bars. We mostly just do um, things where you have to buy a ticket. <laughs> because because mm-hmm. usually if you have to buy a ticket that means I don't have to run the sound and all I have to do is show up with my drums <laughs> and that's like like that's that's kind of the I, I'm kind of beyond carrying in PAs and all that crap I'm just sick of it and so p- pretty much unless it's a special thing and we only play ticketed events anymore but so we've got this gig tonight and. Uh, I, my uh, my tripod for my flip is still in um, L.A. because I had no. to le- I had to leave it at HQ because again I wasn't expecting to have to carry um, seven days worth of MREs and so I right. just offloaded all this stuff and left it there. I brought a, one shirt, one pair of pants, extra pair of socks, MREs, and then some other monkey business stuff. I mean I had I had the basics that I would need to survive and in anarchy. You know, and uh, basically be able to take care of myself. I, I had my I had ten pounds of gear that was basically my jungle pack, so I know I can do whatever I need to with that. And then the rest of it was MREs, so it made it so I couldn't bring extras. So those are still in in a bag in LA at HQ, 
and they're going to and they're sending it, it home. Yeah, they're going to ship it back to me, but I don't have my tripod. Well, um, we we don't have any video of us playing, and we've got you know we're the Mud Jug Blues Band two Ds two Gs on Facebook, and I wanted to put some video up so people can can kind of see what we're about. So I had to go to Walmart to try to buy a tripod, and I figured, well, it's not, <laughs> it's not Black Friday yet. What a great day! Yeah, I'm like, well, you know, it's Thursday night, it's after Turkey Day, everybody's going to be home. I go to this Walmart, and it is slammed. There are thousands of people in there, and I, I like clawed my way back to the electronics department and found the perfect tripod. Um, problem being. So I, I go up to the front like I'm going to check out, and they've got it blocked off, and this guy's like, you got to go to the back of the store. And I'm like, oh, okay. I go back, and they, the line just to check out is like snakes around all through the store. It's like a four-hour line to check out. So I just I had some beer and a tripod. I just left it and walked out because there's no way I'm going to wait for three hours. Well, you could have been dr- just drink the beer while you're in line. Yeah, but then what am I going to do about my kids in the car, and how am I going to get home if I if I'm drunk? <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, I it just I had to that get sucks. Out there. I, I don't even know. I mean, I can't. There's nothing. I can't see sp- spending that much time in a store. I mean, I hate. I know. I like to think that our country has evolved a little further along than us being just cons- considered consumers. You know, I, I have a I have a bit of a problem with that whole that whole consumer mentality. You know, it's instead of thinking of us as citizens, you know, everybody's thinking of us as just consumers. Yeah. Cattle, cattle, or whatever. Well, and, and that's so, that's what the experience was. It was cattle, and yeah. and you had people like waiting in lines that were like four hour long lines to get like a a, a package of like diapers that were ten cents off. It's like, yeah. <laughs> don't you have anything better to do with your time? And, like, you know, they'd have, like, a, a TV, like, some cheap Chinese-made piece of crap TV, but it was, like, you know, a 100 bucks off or something. It's like, go on Amazon. You'll get the same deal. And then you won't have yeah. to stand in line and, you yep. know, and I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just not into – I mean, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even like to go into Walmart. No, I won't unless I have to. You know, I uh, – the other day – um, we have another store up here that's it competes with Walmart pretty, and it does a really good job of it. And it's a but it's a Michigan-based company. Okay. Um, uh, Meyer out of Grand Rapids. I, okay. And they have eight o'clock coffee. Okay. Which you know how much coffee I drink. Yeah, yeah. And they have them in whole beans, two-pound bags. And normally they're like sixteen, seventeen dollars for a two pound bag. Mm-hmm. Well, so we go in there the day before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, they have the my coffee on sale, just hundred percent Colombian because that's mm-hmm. what all I need. Yeah, have it on sale for nine ninety nine, so it's like seven dollars off. So I ended up buying fourteen bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my my wife is like, "What? What are you buying fourteen bags of this stuff for?" And I said, "Well, because it's like cheap, you know. And by the time we get through this, it'll be on sale again." Yeah. And uh, so as we're che- we check out, and she looks at the receipt, and she goes, "Wow, you saved a hundred bucks." <laughs> 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 and it was just in a, in a routine of uh, grocery shopping. And I was like, "Yeah, we saved a hundred bucks." See. Yeah. So, but that's you know, 
And even then, I don't even like going grocery shopping like that. No. I mean, I, I, I just can't stand it. I like to go get – I like I like quality stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that uh, when we go on our trip, I've got three Optimus stoves. Yeah. For us to use. Okay. Little little cook stoves. One of them is uh, an Optimus or a Primus. It's well, Optimus and Primus are. I mean, I think I get a kick out of the names of the stoves, but yeah. Um, I have two Optimus stove camp stoves. One is a hunter, and one is a. Uh, backpacker okay and then the third one is i think they call it a mountaineer or something like that and it's just a that's a primus stove okay and hold, hold on for one second I'll, I'll go grab it i have to get a, another cup of coffee too for and drain off some of the other coffee so let me give me five okay give me two okay okay so this is an optimus 8r okay okay have you ever seen one of these no it comes in a neat little case, huh? Oh, wow. It's got, like, brass and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I got to see. If I, are those even still available? You can buy them, yes. They're they're not cheap, but you can still buy them. Cool. But the wonderful thing about these, this is, runs off of white gas. Yeah. Coleman stove. Guess what it does in the wintertime? Hmm. Uh, works. <laughs> yeah uh, because a lot of you don't if you don't know this that if you try to use a butane uh stove fuel and a, like a reg typical backpacking fuel now nowadays is those cartridges they're yeah, using those yeah. butane cartridges yeah they don't work in the snow not no they don't work very well in the snow yeah. i should say it like that these work great that is in cool the snow. optimus what's the name of it this is an optimus Optimus brand, 8R. Okay. But wait, do you see this one? This is a Primus. Whoa. I mean, look how small this is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you flip this up. Flip the lid up. Uh-huh. Open that up. And look inside is the stove. Oh, cool. And so you take the stove out. Uh-huh. And you light it up. Uh-huh. See how small it is? I mean, it's teeny. Yeah. And this actually, you can you can simmer stuff on this. Huh. You can boil water on it. And once again, it burns um, white gas. You, you heat it up to get it started. You heat it up with your hands, warm up the tank. Uh-huh. Then it lights, and then it self-generates the pressure. Yeah. Yeah, the... the um for, for those kinds of things, if I don't really care about weight and if I'm going to use an actual stove, I'll bring... A, I have a Coleman Dual Fuel one burner yep. Yep. that will use well, gas they, or um, or the Coleman fuel. But the, these are like half the size. I know. Well, that's why... <laughs> well, and I just looked on Amazon and you can't get them on there. No, I think so. you can find them on eBay. And I don't even think, to be honest, I don't even think that... Uh, Optimus makes those anymore, but I could. Oh, uh, I know Siva. The, the little one is a Siva, S-E-V-A. Yeah, the eight R is one hundred and twenty-five bucks on uh, yeah. eBay right now. But 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 you can find yourself a um, a Siva. Um, I think it's a, a climbing stove or mountaineering stove or something like that. It's called S-E-V-A. It's made by the same company. Oh oh, check it out. Um, Optimus Optimus makes a 
um, they're still in business and they make a hiker. It just and it looks like the same thing, but it doesn't have the brass uh, tank. Well, it might be chrome plated. Well, it's green. It's green. It's um, it's called the Optimus Hiker, but it's two hundred and fourteen euros. <laughs> Optimus Hiker. Yeah, Optimus Hiker. That looks badass. Yeah, it's the same thing you've got. It turns out that little stove you've got is uh, pretty valuable. Yeah. Well, I've, and I've got a, a little bit. The 8R does not adjust well. It doesn't. It's hard to simmer something on that. Uh huh. But I have another one that's called a 111. Okay. That is a little physically a little bit bigger. Uh huh. And I think it's got a little bit different valve on it that you can actually you can actually turn it down and you could simmer like a pot of soup on it if you wanted to. Okay. But I figured I'll bring all three of these for our trip. Uh huh. Because you you know, and then we can use the wood stove and these three things to heat up water and boil water and for coffee and that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, it, um, because um, it's going to be cold, right? I mean, I don't know if you know this, right? Right now, it's five degrees at my house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's, fifteen here, but. Yeah, it, it it is very cold, and I'm almost, and we've got I've got four inches of snow. Huh. Yeah, on we've the ground already. Dusting, but not that much. Would you say that was Optimus what? Optimus Hiker. It's available on Campmore for 179 bucks. Um, you can get it at a store called Grab a Gun for uh, 142 bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same. It's the same. Now, I wonder why they. Yeah, I wonder why they use green. Well, probably because. It's more expensive it, to make it with brass now, would be my guess. So I think that's that's what you're that's what you're getting into. Himalayan hiker, multi fuel camp stove. See, they can you can get these that actually burn um, kerosene, but they have you have to have a pump because it won't self generate. White gas will self generate. Mm-hmm. But when when you when you light these up, you get a beautiful blue flame. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't turn your crap black or nothing. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, that's like on the dual fuels or like that. Yep. Yeah. By the way, see people, that. if you were going to buy a lantern or those, you know, any kind of a stove and you're looking for something that you're going to be able to use worldwide, um, get get the Coleman dual fuel stuff or something that will burn kerosene, gas, diesel, whatever you throw into it. Because uh, you're not going to be able to get those fancy little fuel canisters and all that wherever you go. So now, just, what, you know, it's interesting when you talk about stuff like that because um, these things will burn gasoline. Mm-hmm. I've never... I have a pair of pretty big ones. Mm-hmm. I cannot bring myself to put gasoline in this thing and light it up. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the the Coleman stuff, um, you know, the dual fuel stuff, you can burn gas in there. Now, I've never we done need, it. Well, and the other thing but, that kind of scares me about that is gasoline contains benzene, and benzene is very toxic. Huh. And so I'm not sure if it's just our gasoline has benzene in it uh-huh. or if it's – I don't think gasoline in Europe has benzene in it, but I could be wrong because they use that all the time. That's huh. their that's their white gas is gasoline. Okay. 
And so I'm wondering what uh, if it's if that's the case. Uh, but personally, a little bottle of white gas will go an awful long way. Uh huh. Awful long. Yeah, way. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's... one of these one of these stoves, this the smallest stove with a with a um, what is that? What are those? Uh, a quarter, a uh, half a liter bottle. Uh huh. Those little little round like. Um, Oh crap! They're only that big around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, about, the typical you know, MSR bottle. Yeah. They're like a. They're maybe a half a liter. Yeah. Um, will last you weeks. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> you know, of of heating up stuff every day. Yeah. You know, because it's not like you're simmering it for 24 hours straight. But I bet you you could burn on that on that. I've never done it, but I bet you it would burn. It'd be actually a pretty good test to see how long it would actually burn at mm-hmm. high heat. What's the um, name of that small stove again? This one is a an, a Primus, uh-huh. which is related to Optimus. Optimus Primus. Uh-huh. <laughs> I figured you would get that. I, I get it. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a op, this is a, a Primus seventy one, uh-huh. and it's the same as. An Optimus 80. Okay. And it's also the same as a SEVA, S-E-V-A. Uh-huh. But if you get a SEVA stove, um, the SEVA has, like, a different kind of container around the outside of it. It's a little, it's probably a little better container, um, a little better storage system. And it packs up to be a, even smaller than that. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, those are it, cool stoves. I'm pumped. I can't wait yeah, to use it. Yeah. In fact, yep, it'll be there, fun. there might be another one coming along. <laughs> little little birdie told me. Yeah, did you already order it? Yeah. <laughs> you are so bad. <laughs> well, uh You are so bad. Anyway, we got to I got to wrap this up cuz I got to go. I got to pack for that gig and then I got an interview to do and some other stuff, so well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, we'll 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 pick this up again in the first the first part of the week, yeah. and uh, get back into the knife into the knife thing. Um, well, this is all lot. knife related. I mean, the guys that are yeah. knife nuts are gonna care about like what you do in a country and anarchy and all this, and you know. So I don't know. <laughs> we could just talk about like specs, like. The Kershaw Blur weighs 3.5 ounces. We can we, we sit here the whole time just like flipping knives and making click sounds. Um, you don't want to do that? Yeah, there are people that do that. And, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, we try to keep it... Actually, actually, Jimmy said something to me the other day about that, and he said it's annoying when, when, he, when I was doing that. I was teasing him. A couple of them, podcasts ago, I, was, I had a knife that I was flipping around. Yeah. And he said, Dad, that's annoying. Don't do that. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's going to happen every once in a while, but there are there are examples out there where they just do it the entire time and you just hear click, click. I haven't click. seen... Are they still on? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I haven't noticed it in... Uh... In well, a while, and so we're he, he's talking about Knife Thursday, and they they actually are a pretty interesting podcast. But right. I, I got a kick out of their last one that I heard though. They said, "Well, this is Take Your Knife Outside Month," <laughs> and they, yeah. they they went to some park, 
And they were there for like 15 well, minutes, and then it, it was like looking like it was going to rain. So then they spent like two hours in an IHOP. <laughs> well, that I, I haven't seen. Um, you know, I I that uh, the first four or five of their episodes, I kind of I didn't listen to it. I, they kind of lost my attention a little bit on a couple of them, so I didn't stick. I didn't stick listening to it, but. Um, I happened to look at the at the list of podcasts the other day, and um, I was a subscriber to them, and I'm not. I don't see them anymore. So I, I oh, they, they, they haven't been updated. The so they must not be they must not be doing it anymore. I don't know. It's they started off with great guns. Yep. They yep. had some good guests on there, and well, hopefully they're still around. We're, it'd be lonely <laughs> if we were the only knife podcast. The and, last. Uh, when, what is the date on this last one? Is uh, oh maybe this is maybe this is a new one. One episode last updated November 29th at eleven. Oh, that's our time right now. Oh, so your computer is updating and putting that date on there. Well, anyway, hopefully they're still around. November 21st, yes. Season oh, so they one, did. episode seven, okay, was so the last one that they did. So it's, it, but it was, it was actually a, a big hiatus between them. So yeah, they um, must. Have so they're still, so they're up. still around. That's that's good. Yeah, because I don't want to be the only knife podcast. We got to have people have choices. So if you get annoyed with us talking about monkey business, there's another option for you. Oh, they're talking about Trouble Blade Works. Have you heard this? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Well, apparently there's a company called Trouble Blade Works, and it's badass hard use knives. Yeah, everybody's that. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see. I like to see what what that means. Yeah. Trouble Blade Works. Oh, by the way, that Siva stove. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Was uh, I just had it and I just moved it. cancel uh siva 123r okay so if you if you google that one that's all brass it's a very very nice looking stove is it um, s-i-v-a it's s-e s-v-e-a s-v-e-a so it's one two three a oh yeah they're still you can still buy those yep Ooh, yeah but see cool. that that container around the outside of it yes yeah. is, is really sweet Ooh, you I can mean, still I, buy I these. really, I yeah, I really. That's the one I really want to get. I want to. Oh, they sell it I, at Campmore. Yeah, but I but they don't sell. The problem is they don't sell just the outside. Maybe I could just get the outside and put it on mine because I don't want to burn this up because this the outside of this case is so nice that um if I if, if whenever you see these get used a lot mm-hmm. the, the the outside gets burned down so I never like to burn mine inside this case. I always like to I always like to pull it out of the case and put it underneath yeah. something else and use another. And I was thinking about a one pound coffee can and making making a uh, uh, some kind of a cover thing like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wonder if I can just buy that brass thing on the outside and then I'll be happy. But hmm. that's a great that's a that's the that's the the smaller version the smallest version of it. That's so. sexy. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I was looking at, I was looking up, was trouble, trouble knives. 
Blade Works. Trouble Blade Works. Trouble Blade Works. Huh. Trouble Blades. Trouble Blade Works. Badass. Well, those folders on the main page are... Ooh. Those are some interesting shapes. I like that little mini butcher knife. Oh, they're from BC. British Columbia. Hmm. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's attractive. The the scalloped handles. Yeah, I'm not. But I'm, not uh, super... I'm sorry. Yeah, it's. If you're gonna use that for any length of time, your hands are gonna get fucked up. Yeah, I do like the blade shape though on that debt debt collector. That's an interesting concept. The which which one? The debt collector. Debt debt collector. It looks like a cleaver. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a razor. Yeah, only taller. Yeah. So he's so he's kind of mimicking and being a debt collector, meaning that's a razor from the um, uh, organized crime era, where you would come and meet with somebody and take something because they didn't pay you. Yeah, take a little piece of their ear or whatever. Yep, and they would use a razor for that, Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure he knows how much he would know about that in British Columbia, but... Well, they, you know, that's where we got our whiskey from during Prohibition. Not necessarily yeah. British Columbia, but from Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And my, uh, I know some people that were involved in that trade. Oh, yeah? Sneaking, sneaking across through Canada and bringing it back. But, um, yeah. Interesting. Well, I, you know what I like? I like those shapes. Yeah. <clears throat> I like the shape of his blades. I, I'm not fond of the handles. I mean, I would I would ask him for one without scallops in it. I'm sure he'd make it. Uh, but that would be. Uh, but that would be it. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be interested in one of those without the scallop with the scallops. Yeah, I just want the. I just want the. the like you talking about, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I wonder how they found mm-hmm. that guy. Hmm. That who knows. Hmm. Who knows? He puts all his knives in outer boxes. That's kind of cute. That's cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, I gotta check out here. I really gotta all right. go. All uh, right. So you be good and stay out of trouble, and and we'll see you uh, first of the first part of the week. I think, huh? Yeah. Let's plug some stuff here. So, uh, Knife Journal, the app. Um, you also have some new developments about that. It's going to be yes. Uh, new the new episode is going to be a new issue is going to come out. Uh, Toward the end of January, we we put it on a hiatus so that we could get our new advertising lady uh, in the in the mode of selling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we so we basically have uh, we hired a new a new advertising person, and uh, um, so we're we're going to kick it off again in January after the holidays, and uh, had a long discussion with the creative people and. And the marketing people, and we restructured some things, and uh, and like every business, it has to make money, and and we have to we have to be able to make money at it. Otherwise, we cannot afford to just say here, you know. So, um, and and the other thing too that that we're also 
in the process of doing is not just developing one product. We want to develop a a whole company yeah. so that we'll have several different uh, types of um, several different products mm-hmm. in in several different niche industries. Although my my love is is knives, um, I still have several other loves that I that I like to pursue. Also, one, scuba diving, and a lot of you know that I. Uh, been shipwreck hunting and and doing those kinds of things and uh, so so we want to hit a couple of other um, small niche industries and uh, and and make it a multiple level product so it's not just one not just one publication it'll be several different publications so that's kind of the stuff that we've been working on trying to get that all squared away so that when as we grow it it's not a it's not a painful growth. Yeah, um, and that takes and that takes a long time. That's something that I'm not, I'm I'm getting help with because I, uh, um, doing knife forums all those years was was basically a one man show with, um, with a lot of moderators. Yeah, and uh, and it was always treated as a one man show. And and this is this product is not Knife Journal is not JN Publication is not a one man show. It's yeah. it's way too big for a one man show. Yeah. So we want to we want to be able to grow, and uh, and and now that the, um, we've got quite a few downloads on the first issue, it's it's w- well worth pursuing and and uh, and and pushing forward with it. Yeah. So that's the news for that, and uh, so we still have the the wet, the um, the Facebook page, the um, the website knifejournal.com. And there's forums on there too, people. So, yep. like, if you ask yep. a question on there, the chances are very, very good that we will actually talk about it. Yep. Um, yep. And that we that we pay we pay attention to. Yep. Um, so, come out and join us. We're uh, just a couple of guys trying to make it big. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I'm just doing it because I like BSing. It was like uh, the whole point is is like I would call you and we would have this conversation anyway, so that, that why not true. like record it because uh, that is true. Well, the, the true. other funny thing is is like if we don't release an episode, people start pestering me. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently I, I a lot of got, people like it. I actually got some hate mail. I got some. Ooh, I, I don't read know it, if I sent it. you this. Uh uh-uh, uh, read it, read it. Um, someone was make was mad at me because they were now buying things that we. Uh, where the hell did it go? <laughs> I read it. I started laughing. <laughs> like, you know, now that you talk about this, I looked at it. I'm like, oh my god! Now I gotta have it. <laughs> yeah. I gotta find it now. That's in the trash. I get it a lot of angry that. letters and stuff from wives that <laughs> were a bad influence on their. Oh, husbands. I got I got one that says um. We got to think about theme music. <laughs> he says I'm thinking banjos and trumpets for some reason. <laughs> banjos, yeah. Like uh, um, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play something while while you're. I think I can do this. Let me let me find. Oh, I got so. I got this one. Murph Murph sent this one. I don't know if he sent this to you or not, but he said, "Hi guys. Um, not only do you fellas make me research and buy new knives, but." Thanks to the case spike knife conversation, um, I now have to look for old knives that I've tucked away. Yeah. I bought a case Marlin spike 
aboard the USS Denver on my first Pacific float back in 02. I've forgotten about it till now. Thanks for the reminder and making the wife think I purchased another knife. <laughs> Keep funny. up the great work. Yeah. Okay, here and, you go. Here, here you go. Here's, here's some theme music. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. I'm going to unplug my headphones, so stuff is going to get janky for a second, but I'll just play it for a second. got to hear this. Okay. <laughs> that would be that would be foggy mountain breakdown yes <laughs> like that that would be funny that's funny that's funny yeah. um yeah. let's see what else? what was another one um knives from various cultures that was another one. Uh, talk about talk about uh, definitive. De- <laughs> there you go. Here's a, here's one that will bring up lots and lots of comments. Why not do a show about what you feel is the definitive design of knife from various cultures? Oh gosh, way to win. That sounds like majorly. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea, but that sounds like majorly fighting. Well, well, we can just maybe tackle some of that. I think. Um, especially in in a lot of the other countries it's you know it's like what's the definitive beer of germany well every every <laughs> german town has its own brewery and the people from that town are going to tell you this is the definitive beer that's right nothing yeah. else matters well and it's the yep. same thing with knives and you know like that little forge shop in karigara you know th- there's other places you know and they yep. all have their own styles and that's the definitive one but yeah, so that's that's interesting that uh, um, you know because it is it is kind of one of those um, one of those things that a lot of people in America don't realize is how you know because there's not a lot of Americans that travel overseas, mm-hmm. and even then when they do, they t- they tend to take tours or they never really get immersed in the in the local culture, mm-hmm. and which is. Uh, I'm not sure I like that. I I don't myself. I don't like to go on tour groups. No. I, I would rather go and like when I like when we went to Italy, we we rented a place and and we stayed um, and like lived in a town that wasn't touristy, and so we, we had a good time. And you you basically learn a lot of their cultures. Yeah. Um, I don't think you get that with a with a tour group because you go and you become you go to an Americanized hotel, you go to an Americanized you know, you eat an Americanized menu, and you know, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not into that. But well, that's anyway, that's, that's enough. That, one of the things uh, that I try to do on my YouTube channel is show like the real thing. You know, I try yeah. to capture like the real essence of stuff, and because I I will not go on a on a tour or on a cruise. I'm just not doing it. You know, and if that means I have to go into in an anarchy situation then that's what i'm going to do <laughs> yeah. i would rather be in anarchy than be stuck on a cruise ship yeah i think so too anyways enough of that let's uh let's cut her uh for the day and uh catch up on monday after a long weekend of monkey business yeah yeah and uh so for now i'm jim noka And I'm uh, Kyle Versteg. Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Very good. Have a good day. Yep, bye. See you next time. Bye.